0: Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Ion on Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I am Navy veteran Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the Military News and Veteran Lifestyle website. And our next guest is here to honor Brain Injury Awareness Month in March. And along the way, he'll inspire everyone. Now, most people know that a brain injury can be devastating. However, they may not know that migraine, a debilitating disease that affects nearly 40 million Americans, is one of the most common post-traumatic brain injury headache disorders. U.S. Air Force veteran Keith McGee, the first disabled veteran in NASCAR history to race at a National Series event, is no stranger to facing these challenges head-on. As an Air Force veteran and as the victim of a violent attack, he lives with a traumatic brain injury and has debilitating migraine. Now as the first disabled veteran driving in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and as an involved father of two, he's learned how to live his life while living with this debilitating disease. And it's that drive. Yes, that's a NASCAR pun intended. It's that drive that I can't wait to hear about. So here to h- share stories about the craziest dang job you can think of driving a NASCAR. Stories of 21 truck crashes and cryptocurrency from Alaska Air Force veteran Keith McGee. Welcome, my brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude, I've been reading up on you and uh looking through, you know, some of the some of the things you've been involved with and I, I don't even know where I want to start. I'll tease a couple of things. Uh it's let me wild. see. Uh, NASCAR's in your blood, your grandfather was involved in racing, you and your dad were involved in racing, your mom's a gold medalist, uh there's imaginary or there is cryptocurrency by the millions you've stumbled upon. I don't even know where to start, but I think the only place that we should start here It's a thing we share in common. Military vets, yours was Air Force. Tell me about uh, you know your MOS. What the hell did you do in the Air Force?
2: So I was a radar specialist on the AWACS, uh, which is a surveillance aircraft. For those that don't know, Um, Mm -hmm. I uh, left for basic training on September 11th, 2001, which is a day that you know I think everyone in America can remember. It was very tragic, uh, Hartfield Day. I was forced to grow up overnight, Um, and yeah, it uh, it was it was a definitely difficult time to to leave and join the military but uh you shipped yeah, out was,
1: on nine eleven.
2: it was tuesday it was a tuesday i was uh yeah. at maps and uh yeah it was a, it was a hard day to process so wow. we actually we we didn't ship they closed all the airspace down and so we didn't ship until that following saturday so they stuck us in a hotel and put some uh, mps around the hotel and We spent the first several days of military life, you know, wondering what was happening in a uh, a hotel.
1: Wow. Crazy. Well, you did go on to serve. Tell me a little bit more about that MOS. Uh, The AWACS, I know the Navy had the similar planes, the E2C Hawkeyes, I think. Yeah. But they're the planes with the big old dish on it. And uh, they're big eyes over any combat space or over any war space. That's the one that can literally zoom in and see a license plate. From like you know forty thousand well, we feet, we
2: couldn't see license plate, but we could we could see uh we could see movement on the ground. You know, we could see tanks and and troops. We can you know control the airspace, so anybody trying to fly in, you know, any enemy, we can detect who the friendlies are and who the foes are, and then we translate that all down to the troops on the ground and let them know. So we we pretty much paint the battlefield picture for them and uh, allow everybody on the ground to have an, an eye in the sky.
1: Yeah, I guess my Navy veterans showing there, I always thought the Air Force had better technology so that you guys could do anything like, you know, now you guys could. <laughs> there
2: are aircraft out there that can do that. Just not just not our old bird.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about, uh, I don't know, the fun you had with Uncle Sam. Where What exciting places did you get to go see? Um, well, I didn't
2: I, I didn't get to go to a lot of exciting places. Uh, so I I suffered my brain injury in 2005. And uh, that kind of prevented me from, from going and doing what I really wanted to do. In 2006, I volunteered to go to Iraq and was denied deployment because of my brain injury. Um, but I did get to go to, you know, places like Barbados and Japan and Thailand and, and around in the States to different, different bases. But it, it really prevented me from, from, you know, being boots on the ground in, in combat.
1: Let's talk about that. I wanted to kind of segue softly into that, but uh, you know what? There is no kind of soft way to talk about TBIs. Um, They happen in any manner of ways. And uh, tell me about the day that you'll never forget.
2: It was New Year's 2005. Uh, I was actually home visiting my parents in California and uh, six individuals uh, assaulted me, tried to take my life. And the results were a traumatic brain injury. I broke my arm and, and did some other damage as well. But the long lasting effects were the traumatic brain injury, and you know the years following it, suffering from five debilitating migraines a week, you know and that really left me with a lot of guilt because of the the events that I was missing out on with friends and family, whether they're birthday parties or just family gatherings or you know just going and hang out with friends and When I would go hang out, I felt like they carried a burden as well because my my mood and my migraines would affect the the entire day so it carried a lot of guilt and a lot of, you know, um, I guess just like self-remorse for, for what was going on. It, it took me going back and talking with my physicians and neurologists to really come up with a solid preventative plan and a, and a treatment plan that worked best for me. And, you know, there's so many different migraines out there that one plan didn't work for everything. So I had to have multiple plans in place to really help me, you know, get get to a point where I don't suffer that many migraines anymore.
1: Let me just pause right there and just say, um, you know, my heart goes out to you, brother. Uh, you know, surviving a violent crime like that, uh, taking a blow to the head. Man, some people just can't come back from that. And it's not just that it's uh the injury itself, but I'm glad you kind of unpacked a little bit of that. There was days, weeks, months, and years where you were unable to do the simplest things because what the headache would come on and then dad would just have to like leave the kid's birthday party and go lay down or dad knew that it just wasn't going to be a good day from jump street because you woke up with the with the pain in your head Um, elaborate a little bit more about what it's like living with this kind of migraine
2: yeah so my migraines are photophobic so they're triggered by light so uh, halogen light um, sunlight are, are triggers for me so with you know, when we started switching over to LED lights, that helped out a lot. Um, now I can have lights on in the house without triggering a migraine. Uh, I've got a prescription for window tint in my vehicles, so that way I can I can drive. I wear dark sunglasses when I'm outside, and so for me it was finding out what those trigger points were to really help curb all those migraines. Because five migraines a week is as bad as it sounds. You know, it it wasn't I wasn't living, and you get so focused on oh man, tomorrow's going to be miserable because I'm going to have a migraine that you miss out on so many of the positives. And it really changed my life in the way I look at life. Now I don't look at the negative things that happen. I always search for the positive in everything to the point now where my traumatic brain injury and the migraines that I've suffered are blessings because without those, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be in NASCAR. And I wholeheartedly believe it that, you know, my brain injury has led me to this point in life. And you know I'm grateful for every opportunity that I have, and you know every day that I get to wake up and and share my story is is a blessing.
1: and you are, in fact, I think, illuminating something that needs to be talked about because t b i s whether it was training accident, whether it was a breacher in combat, whether it was any one of the forty million Americans that's had some sort of issue. Um, you know, with a brain injury, it can happen via sports. It can happen via work related accidents. Car accidents happen every single day. There's so many people out there suffering, uh, with these residual things from these accidents that occur in their lives, you know, that it needs to get talked about. Uh, specifically, let's jump into what medicine was able to do for you. I've covered this, as you can imagine, from the veteran angle. I've talked to a ton of breachers, ton of people with, you know, the combat head injuries, and I've seen all kinds of things. Everything from hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy, um, hormonal programs and what was your path so in two thousand and five there wasn't a lot
2: medically offered outside of of a prescription that I could do you know they gave me um, you know different things to try some things worked some things didn't I didn't like the you know side effects of, of some stuff you know um, I had a supervisor that was i guess really keen on on brain injuries and he got me started on a website this you know 2005 there wasn't smartphones wasn't tablets so I went on this website lumosity.com and it was just like a brain game brain exercise type website where I could go in and and it would track your progress and you know you go in and do these different games and and keep your brain going because it's a muscle and we don't use a lot of our brain as it is already and so with brain injuries a lot of times, other areas of your brain will kind of awaken and take over for the injured parts. And for me, the, the, the creative side of my brain took over. So they were bringing me different puzzles to figure out, like shape puzzles that you could only get put together one way, and they'd have increasing difficulty. And the supervisor was constantly spending his own money to go out and, and buy these puzzles and, and keep me engaged in that aspect to where, you know, I was exercising this muscle and rehabbing my brain, essentially you know, while I was while I was serving. And, you know, it it really taught me to look at everything differently, you know, to I was able to teach myself how to bake wedding cakes so I could bake my kids these elaborate birthday cakes because I knew that in life they would never remember the presents that they got, but they would always remember these cakes that their dad made for them. So now I literally can make anything into a cake and to be able to exercise those areas of my brain to help me get back to living life, you know, was, was very integral to to my success.
1: Yeah. But I love hearing that, that you were able to not only do some of the brain puzzle things, but also work in other areas that just use different parts of your brain and, um, the baking. Can I just say that like everybody wins with that treatment plan? I was looking at your Twitter feed and that was a peach cobbler cheesecake you just put together the other day. I mean, like, yeah. listen, if you ever want to come over to my house and do a little therapy, um, I'll be glad to get you some baking ingredients. And, uh, you know, we can all enjoy your recovery.
2: Yeah. So the the cheesecakes have been something <laughs> I've been I've been big on recently. Just taking other desserts and then turning them into a cheesecake and trying it out and creating my own recipes. Like these aren't recipes that I follow from somebody else. Like these are like, here, let me figure out this recipe and see if it works. And nine times out of 10, it's a success the first try. And, you know, everybody around me gets to to enjoy it because I'm, I'm not eating an entire cheesecake by myself.
1: (laughs) You better not if you want to fit in that car. (laughs) All right. In that truck. All right. We're going to get to that in just a second. Um, Did the doctors tell you, have medical professionals told you that continually working on creative things will help your brain synapses reset, whether it's baking or painting or music? I mean, is that a therapy that, that most people could enjoy some sort of benefit from?
2: Well, you know, a doctor's never told me that, but, You know, I wholeheartedly believe that it's definitely a a therapy that everybody can, you know, can enjoy. Even if it's even if you don't have a brain injury, like getting out and experiencing new things are going to open up so many possibilities and so many opportunities for you. But you know, for me and with what I've had to deal with, just trying to figure out these things, like I see a problem in front of me and I figure it out, have been really helpful in me getting to to kind of not really move on from the the brain injury, but to to accomplish my day. And, you know, my goal is to when I'm ready to die that I've done everything in life has to offer and, you know, no regrets. And, you know, my kids can tell stories about me and my grandkids will tell stories about me and people I don't even know will tell stories about me. And that's, that's kind of where I want my life to, to lead that, you know, my life is an inspiration and hopefully, you know, that's the path I'm on.
1: And whether it's the veteran world we live in that you and I share together or whether it's just the world that we live in, too many people, I think, get focused on the bad and stop trying to create new memories, take on new skills. You know, uh, you know, we all tend to get stuck in that. Look at social media. You know, we get stuck in that, oh, I'm just going to complain and be angry about this and talk about that and comment on how much I don't like something you, my friend, uh, you know, with that Alaskan spirit that you must have inherited from being up in that area. Uh, You know, you're ready to drive forward, man. You're ready to do new things. Uh, New things you did do. I'll insert here the fact that uh, NASCAR probably in your blood before you even knew it. Um, Grandfather worked on some race cars back in the day. Uh, It was a dad worked with Polaris and and did some racing things. You guys grew up watching NASCAR, even going to sprint events uh, when you were a youngster. I got to say that it doesn't sound like that's the best career path for you, man. I mean, you (laughs) took a traumatic blow to the head, almost died from being uh, attacked uh, years later. You end up at a go-kart track, and you got the bug for driving? Uh, Open that up, because I don't even see how you get on this career path, much less is it in your best interest. But I love the story from go-karts and beyond
2: it was just that childhood dream of being around, you know, being around racing my whole life, you know, with my, my dad raced for Polaris and, uh, um, my mom with, with everything she accomplished, you know, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in the eighties told she'd never walk again and then went on to win Olympic gold medal. So, you know, at a young age, I I saw people around me overcoming adversity and, you know, wow. just, it really set the tone for my entire life. Well, you know, having that dream of being a NASCAR driver, I think millions and millions of kids have had that same dream. And, you know, for me, it kind of faded away when I joined the military and then, you know, started a family and went on to work for the department of defense after the military. And it wasn't until 2017 that an indoor go-kart track opened up near me in Alaska. And I was like, this is the best I'm ever going to get. So I went after it and uh, I was good. I had a hundred and something starts and 90 something first place finishes. and you know, one night a gentleman approached me and asked me if I ever thought of racing a NASCAR. And I told him it was a lifelong dream. And he asked me to come drive for him. And you know, here we are.
1: That is awesome. And I think that that's what I wanted to hear from you too. Is that this wasn't like a go kart track that inspired you when you were nine? I mean, hell, you were older than twenty nine when you stepped was, in one of these go karts. I was
2: thirty five when I started racing go karts. So you wow. know, in the world of in the world of NASCAR most drivers start racing when they're five, six years old and they reach the professional levels. You know, a lot of these people I race with are, you know, I'm old enough to be their father. They're, you know, 18, 19 years old. And here I am out there, you know, driving door to door with them and, you know, just living, living the dream.
1: So you're saying it's not too late for me to give up my dream of doing something, right? I mean, maybe at like 50, I should go out and try out for the major leagues, you know, maybe play shortstop,
2: you know, I tell everybody it's, it's never too late. And <laughs> the only person that's going to hold you back from living your dream is, is
1: yourself. <laughs> that is awesome, brother. That is awesome. I'm a little rusty at 50. I don't know if I have enough. Hey, gas in the you you never train. know. Just
2: imagine the story it would be.
1: <laughs> that's cool. Um, hey, real quick, as I find this, can I ask what the, your mom huge inspiration to your life has probably given you the ability to have a vision and to push for it and to make your dreams come true, watching her overcome, you know, MS and then go to the Olympics. Can I ask what she won her gold medal in?
2: Yeah, it was downhill skiing. So in, in 1988, all of the disabled uh, teams around the world were invited to come to Calgary to compete in the winter Olympics. Um, All of the sports were demonstration sports. And if they got the, the media coverage and the fan coverage that, you know, uh, if it was it was good, they would sanction them. They did the same in 2002 with snowboarding in Salt Lake City. In 1988, though, there was a bobsled team from a from the little country of Jamaica that stole the entire show. Oh and yeah! So they didn't get the coverage that they that they needed to sanction the events. So they all still won their medals, but from that we got the Paralympics, and so now the Paralympics happened directly after the Olympics. And all the disabled athletes compete on the same venues that the able-bodied athletes competed on. So, you know, it it kind of changed the history of the Olympics. Um, she won a gold medal in 1988 in downhill skiing. Oh, that
1: is awesome. And, again, giving you that sort of thought, giving you that sort of motivation that you can never look at a situation and say it's too bleak. You can overcome. And I can imagine oh, yeah you know, telling your parents like, oh, I just want to give up. That's probably not an option with them. And uh, yeah, that's I don't, awesome.
2: I don't give up on things. I either find a way to make it happen or, you know, try, try a different route. But it's uh, giving up is not a, not a real good option in my family.
1: Well, looking at your NASCAR career, you certainly have never given up there. And um, I'm looking through just some of the history here of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and saw that uh, you got your big, big sort of coming out there it was at Talladega Super Speedway. Yeah, legendary my- Talladega and um, a wild race featuring a 21 truck crash. And somehow you managed to avoid all that there with with. Can I just say again, you know, you've already had one knock to the head too many. You survive getting around 21 car pile up and your truck, you know, goes on to finish handsomely. Uh, tell me about that coming out race.
2: Yeah. So Talladega was was awesome. I'd never been at Talladega. I've never been on a super speedway you know, I'd never driven in a pack and, you know, we're pushing speeds of almost 200 miles an hour there and you're inches away from 40 of your, of your friends. So it, it, you know, danger level is pretty high. There's always the big one at Talladega. And uh, you know, you go in with a game plan uh and just try to execute as best you can. Um I started dead last worked my way up. I led, led a lap in that race and uh finished 10th. So, you know, it was, avoided some really big wrecks. Uh, one of the wrecks the truck hit the wall literally right in front of me and uh I was able to squeeze by him and you know brought the truck home with with absolutely no damage on it which you know the team is always appreciative of that. But it was uh it was it was a wild wild time and you know the the sponsors that were on board for that race, you know a big day for them. They were an Alaskan company. Uh the CEO of that of that company him and his best friend were at the Route 91 festival in Las Vegas. And his best friend lost his life at that festival in in his arms and so we honored him on the truck with uh, his name. He had always dreamed of going 200 miles an hour at Talladega, so we put his name on the truck and, and honored him and it was it was the I believe it was the fourth year anniversary from from that incident uh, the day before Talladega. so it you know had special meaning for a lot of people and for me to go out there and and perform as good as I did was uh, you know it was definitely a blessing.
1: Mm, God bless. Yeah, I didn't even know the backstory with that truck and that uh, team that year, but that's amazing. Um I got to ask as a guy that survived a traumatic brain injury and that endures migraine, are you ever scared before the race, during the race at any moment? I mean, you said reaching speeds of 200 miles an hour in oftentimes a tightly knit pack of vehicles, of trucks making that big turn three or whatever it is. How in the heck do you do that without any fear that? One injury could completely you know not just wreck your truck but wreck your life well, you know I don't want people to think
2: that I'm reckless and you know I don't have fear in me because it's definitely it's definitely fear is there, but I think Will Smith said it best he said the best parts of life are on the other side of fear, and you know if you can get past that mental hurdle of of that fear that's holding people back from whether it's changing your job or moving out of state, fear will hold you back from the best parts of your life, and so when you can learn to to get past that fear and just like live with it that's where life is and best best things i've done in my life are on the other side of the fear
1: oh that's awesome i would think that the vibration of the vehicle or that the peripheral vision you know having to have you know constant awareness situational awareness of what's all around your truck while you're navigating the course there um i would think that that would maybe start to trigger a, a headache Does the racing ever do that? Or do you think like maybe baking similarly or using a different part of your brain, does racing actually help your brain keep from getting migraines?
2: So I I am hyper-focused during a race. I have a spotter that's painting a picture of what's going on on around me because you can't see anything outside of your, your tunnel vision. You've got your helmet on. So they paint a picture of what's going on around you. They're my eyes in the sky per se. Um, but i do after every race i suffer a migraine typically 2 hours post race i'll i'll get an onset of a migraine so i it's something i know that's going to happen you know and it's something that i guess it kind of reminds me of of why i'm here and and where i'm coming from it kind of humbles me it's my humbling migraine but uh you know it's something that you just accept and you know it's going to happen and you know like i said though i i focus on the positives in my day and and not on to the negative and so you know it's something that just comes and I deal with it and know that tomorrow's going to be a new day and just keep living.
1: Right on, man. Tip of the cap to you for that. Um, is there something you can do immediately post-race that lessens it or, you know, within a couple hours later, or do you just know to head back to the trailer, put some ice pack on your eyes or just kind of get quiet?
2: Yeah, I, I typically try to get back to the hotel um, as quick as possible after the race and, you know, take a shower and then just Try to relax and, you know, answer answer all my uh all my messages on social media and, you know, text messages from from family and, you know, just kind of decompress and, and go to bed.
1: So not going to be the life of the party, you're not necessarily going to get caught up in all the trappings of victory success. No, you're going to head right back to the room and, uh, you know, take care of yourself. Uh, yeah, you know, awesome. I'm.
2: I like to think I'm pretty humble. I'm just a, I'm just a regular guy with an extraordinary opportunity to go out and live his dream and use this platform to share my message. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully affect some, some people out there that are living with uh, migraines and, you know, hopefully change their lives.
1: Yeah, man. Now I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this only cause you know, who didn't love the Tom Cruise uh, movie about racing. <laughs> And the classic line, "Rubin's part of racing." Come on, yeah. Cole. Come on, Cole. Um, is that true? Are you guys out there? Is that really a thing in NASCAR? I mean, are, are there guys that'll give you a little nudge on one of the quarter panels or something to like let you know that they're there? And it, 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 does that stuff? Do grudges happen out there on the track?
2: Well, I'll be—I'll be fully honest. If if I was racing with my grandma and she was winning and I and we're going to the checker flag, I'd wreck my grandma to win. So you no, know, it's. <laughs> It's out there. There's, there's a lot of my best friends are on track, but when it when it comes to two laps to go, there you have no allies on track. So
1: that's awesome. Does Days of Thunder at moments capture it kind of accurately? What that what that uh, what that group of of racers is, is like?
2: Um, yeah, but I I'd probably say Talladega Nights is more accurate. You know, we're we just we're just a bunch of goofballs out there. You know, doing what we do and. It, it's it's pretty
1: fun. <laughs> that is awesome, and can I just say another personal hero of mine, Ricky Bobby? Come on, man! If you ain't <laughs> first, you're last. Yeah, and he, you know, came from nothing and jumped in a race car. So, <laughs> uh see, what else is cool with you? I I couldn't help but when I googled your name, hearing about these crazy stuff with cryptocurrency. Uh, one, <laughs> I know so little about cryptocurrency. I don't know. I, I put it up there with like unicorns and rainbows <laughs> and leprechauns. I don't even know how it work. But I know that you uh you know from what I read uh there's a uh, 13 hours in your life that was completely life changing. Uh oh, there you was... were approaching what is it uh 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 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season finale in Phoenix and you couldn't compete due to not having enough funding. And then 13 hours later you realize that you have um, $181 million uh, of this Coinbase Shiba Inu coin cryptocurrency show up in your wallet that wasn't yours. Yeah. So explain to me how you woke up one day and found out all this cryptocurrency magically appeared in your wallet.
2: So it was, it was definitely a, a wild, uh, wild few days. You know, I, I thanked all my fans and sponsors and supporters uh, for helping me out throughout the season um, Phoenix is always a race that I want to race in just because it's a ride around Veterans Day weekend. So obviously it has a lot of meaning for me to be on track. Well, I couldn't find the funding this year. You know, I I don't come from money. So my family's not supporting me financially in this adventure. So everything I I do, I find myself and, you know, with the help of companies and, you know, so it was, it was a sad day to announce it. But then I wake up the next morning and I've got $181 million in my crypto account. And it was one of those moments like, I'm dreaming, you know, look at it again in an hour and, and it's still there. And instantly I'm like buying helicopters and yachts and, you know, <laughs> mansions in Miami. You know, I've I've made it. I'm 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 rich. I I go racing, no holds bar, like best of the best equipment. Well, then I started to realize that there's somebody out there that is the complete opposite of me. They're grief stricken. 181 million dollars is a lot of money to anybody. I don't care who you are. And so I was I Sat there, and I thought about you know what what I would have liked to happen if that was my money that got lost and so I, I reached out on uh, Twitter and announced that I had found this money and that I was looking for the rifle owner and It took us roughly five and a half weeks, but we were able to find the rifle owner and get it back to who it belonged to and you know I can happily say I did not spend a single penny of it
1: God. You are a better man than I am, Keith McGee. How in the hell are you not? I mean, you got to. Even if it's not 181 million American dollars, right? It this explain to me the coin itself, oh, no? The it cryptocurrency was it was 181
2: U.S. dollars in there. Yeah, it was it was U.S. dollars. Now, with with being in my crypto account, it would have taken me roughly 80 years to withdraw all the money, and you know. But there was just so many things that went into it, you know, that made the decision really easy for me to do the right thing. And I've got that this opportunity to to be in a position I am. The last thing I want people to be like, oh, he had a really good message, but when it came down to it, he doesn't do the right thing, you know. And that's not who I want to be seen as. I want to be seen as somebody who's honest and upfront. And if I can leave a good mark on the world, then, yeah.
1: Good Lord smiling on you for that one, sir. The good Lord is going to take care of you for that restraint that you showed. Um, from all of this, from the inspiration we drive, from your family, from the inspiration we see on the track, and, of course, you know, the interesting things that have happened to you off the track, uh, where do I find out more about you, and how do we support Keith McGee Racing?
2: Yeah, you know, if uh, your your followers, listeners want to uh, reach out to me on social media, on Instagram, it's Keith underscore McGee underscore seven. They can follow my journey. They can send me a message on there. I'm, I'm pretty active on it. Um, and if they'd like to find out more information on headaches and migraines, they can please visit headaches.org.
1: Nice. Headaches.org, as we are talking about that all this month long. And uh, lastly, do we got a sponsor coming up? I've seen some artwork on Twitter. I've seen some trucks looking up. I know it would be awesome to see a veteran-supportive brand on the side of your truck racing in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Are there any special brands you'd like to call out to maybe and see if, like, they want to get on your truck?
2: You know, I had Barstool Sports on last year. I'd love to have them back on uh, this year. Uh Black Rifle Coffee would be a great company to have on board. They support veterans. They're all veteran owned. Coinbase would be great to have on there. But currently I've got uh nothing lined up. I've got no uh sponsors on the horizon. So uh right now there's I'm just waiting, waiting to waiting to make those right connections
1: very cool all right find out more you can also see you at keith mcgee racing.com get some great merch there for km racing and uh, just best of luck to you this series man i know you're gonna get a sponsor we're gonna make it happen and uh, man i look for you by that checkered flag thank you philip you got it buddy